0: Scripture reading this morning comes from Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold, cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, May God bless the reading of his word. You know, this morning we come to the seventh and last of the churches addressed in Revelation 2 and 3. And this seventh church is in the city of Laodicea. Now, Laodicea was a very prosperous city. It was positioned on this elevated hill, which made it a great place to, you know, be for a defensive position because you had the high ground. Uh, However, it did have a weakness. And that was its water source. See, there was no water source within the city itself. And the closest water source to Laodicea was about six miles away. And so they had to pipe this water in through aqueducts uh, in order to uh, receive water. And so even though it had a great defensible uh, geographic position, it would seem, you know, if an enemy ever faced uh, the city, all they had to do with would be to besiege the city and cut off the water supply. And, you know, no matter how good your fortresses are, if you don't have water, uh, you know, you're in trouble. And so Laodicea didn't really thrive until the Roman Empire was established and established peace in the land. And so when, once that peace settled over that land, Laodicea prospered because it was it was on this popular trade route and um, it was a center for banking and they raised these, these black uh, wool sheep. And uh, they were able to sell this, this nice black garment. And they also had a, what we would call a, a, like a medical school nearby or a hospital that would produce you know, this eye salve and other types of salves to aid you in your illnesses. So it was a, a very prosperous city uh, of, of commerce, banking. Uh, they had these, uh, the sheep they would raise. It was, it was very prosperous. Just to give you an idea how prosperous the city was. In 60 AD, there was an earthquake that did great damage to the city. And, you know, if, if a city in our country experiences a natural disaster, like an earthquake or a hurricane, right? Uh, one of the things that we would do, like if Augusta, you know, if the hurricane that had come through Augusta did great damage to our city, one of the things we'd be looking for would be federal aid, right? We would, we would want the federal government to help us rebuild. Well, Rome would do the same thing. And so in 60 AD, uh, this earthquake uh, destroyed or damaged severely several cities within the Roman Empire. And Laodicea was one of those cities. And Rome offered aid to help rebuild the city. But Laodicea, being so wealthy, actually said, you know, we're fine. You can keep your money. Uh, We'll just rebuild our own city. But it gives you an idea how prosperous this city was to re- to reject federal aid, so to speak, and rebuild your own city. I mean that seems pretty uh, wild, but they did because they were so prosperous. And so that tells you something about the uh, resources they had. Now, the church in Laodicea, we're not real sure how it uh, began. It probably started by someone, That was an offshoot of of one of Paul's missionary journeys, maybe his third missionary journey. But what we do know is that Paul does mention the church in Laodicea in his letter to the Colossians. And uh, we don't know if Paul was able to ever visit the church there, but we know he mentioned them in his letter and even wrote a letter to them that we do not have. Now, fast forward a few decades from when Paul wrote the letter to the Colossians, we have this letter of Revelation, this message of Jesus to the church in Revelation. And as we consider Jesus' message this morning to this church, I want to look at four descriptions of Jesus in this passage. And as we do so, I think we'll gain a better understanding of Jesus' message both to the Laodiceans, but also to us as well. So first, Jesus is described in verse 14 as the amen The faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. So Jesus is the amen, the faithful and true witness. So Jesus perfectly and truthfully reveals God to us and has completely fulfilled all that God gave him to accomplish. And then he says he's the beginning. He is the beginning of creation, meaning that he is the origin of creation. He is the ruler of the created world. From him all things that were created have been created. And so we see Jesus is the faithful and true one. He's the one over all creation. So therefore, if you were to expect to see a church, which is just a group of people, right? It's a group of people that follow Jesus, is what a church is. And so if you were to look at a church that is following the faithful and true Christ you would expect to see truthfulness and faithfulness, right? If they're following Jesus, that's what you're expecting to see. Something of Christ there. But what we're going to find out is that that's not what we see. And so then we we, we come to the second description of Jesus in verses 15 and 17. We get this image of Jesus. He's not only the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of creation, But we also get this description of Jesus preparing to spit the Laodiceans out of his mouth. Which is kind of a striking image of Jesus vomiting. You know, that's the description we have here. Preparing to spit them out. Um, He says in verse verse 15-17, through he says, I know your works, you are neither hot or cold nor hot. Would that you were either hot, I mean cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold... I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say I am rich, I've prospered, I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. So I was reading this passage, and you, know, you maybe some of you have heard this before, but you know, you're reading this passage about you know, the laity in church. They're not hot, they're not cold, they're lukewarm, and Jesus says, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I hate lukewarm people that call themselves Christians, but in fact are not. And it made me think of this, um, this may seem kind of silly, but it made me think of the centerpiece that Celia bought um, for our house when we lived in North Carolina. It was made up of these little apples. Okay, And so she bought all these little apples, and I found one, surprisingly. We had it tucked away somewhere. And I found the one I was looking for. So we had these apples. I think they were sitting on our dining room table. And our kids were pretty young. I mean, I think Lily, our youngest, was probably three years old at the time. And so I remember walking by the dining room table and I was looking at our apples. And I noticed there was a white spot on the apple. And I thought, well, let me clean that off. So I picked it up and I went to clean it off. And I'm thinking, looking at it and I'm like, what are these teeth marks doing in this apple? <laughs> and so I still have the apple with the teeth marks in it. And so I'm looking at and I'm thinking, okay, somebody tried to eat this apple. And what had happened was probably it was probably Lily, three years old, walking by the table. They look at the apple. The apple looks great, doesn't it? It looks ripe and juicy and ready to eat. So she probably just picked out the table and went to bite into it. And when she bit into it, she realized it was styrofoam, right? It's not an apple. This is, this is a fake apple. And then she, you know, spit it out and put it back on the table. And so... I had these apples, at least one or two of them with these teeth marks. And uh, I guess they thought, well, maybe j- just that one was styrofoam. So they grabbed another one and bit it, but it was styrofoam too. And so, but what we have is, you know, it looks great. It looks like a great apple, you know, but it's, it's a fake apple. It's not real. And uh, so therefore it was spit out. And that's what we see in the church here in Laodicea. You know, they, they played the part. They called themselves Christians. You know, they're saying the right things perhaps. But when you get inside, it is fake. It's a fake church. And these are fake Christians. You know what what do they tell Jesus? "Hey, we're, we're doing good. We're doing great. We're rich. We've prospered. We don't lack anything." And perhaps they were thinking about just how well they were doing in their city, how comfortable they were, and they translated their kind of material comfort to their spiritual status between them and God. And they said, well, I guess since everything else is going okay in my life, I must be right with God. And how I'm carrying out my Christianity. And Jesus says, you're not hot, you're not cold. You're what you're fake. You're, you're missing the very thing that makes you a Christian. And that is faith in Christ. See, the apple looks great. It, look, it looks the part. It's got the nice shading and little spots on it. it even got the little stem. But it's missing the key ingredient, the appleness. You know, (laughs) you bite into it, there's no apple here. It's just styrofoam. And so that's what he was saying to the church. You know, you're going through the motions, you're saying the things, you may even be gathering, but you're fake. There's nothing, there's no gospel, there's no faith in your hearts. You think you're one way, but in fact, you are in poverty. You think you're rich, you are poor. You think you uh, have plenty. You have no clothes on. You think you see your status. You can't see anything. You are blind. And so that's the rebuke on the church that you are fake. And I am getting ready to spit you out of my mouth. Because Christ will always spit out that which is not faith. He'll spit it out. Because that is not Christianity. Christianity. But notice what he says in the next verses. He says, I counsel you. And this is astonishing to me when you see this shift here in this letter, in this message to the church. He says, I counsel you then. Buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. And white garments so that you may clothe yourself. And the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. So notice here where Jesus says that the Laodiceans can get true riches and righteous clothing and a cure for their spiritual blindness. It's not from the bank down the street in the city of Laodicea. It's not from the pasture where they were raising these sheep and producing all these garments. It's not from their medical school, and their hospital, where they were creating this salve for eyes. But they can get everything they truly need for life with God from Jesus. And most likely, John, as he's writing this, and Jesus as he's speaking this, the background passage of this part of the message comes from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 and 2. Listen to what God says here. Isaiah 55, 1 and 2. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and listen to this. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. You see, to to be rich in God, to be clothed in righteousness, and to gain spiritual sight, we must come to Christ. We can't create that ourselves. We must receive it. And the way we receive it is by coming to Christ. And notice that Jesus hates, like I said earlier, faithless Christianity and spits that type of religion out of his mouth. But at the same time, this this is what's remarkable here. He hates that faithless Christianity, that faithless religion, and he calls them out on it. But at the same time, notice, he hates lukewarmness, but he loves the lukewarm. And that's why he's writing the letter. That's why he's sending the message. He says, come to me. You're going to the wrong sources for life. Come to me, and I will give you what you need. And this is why we read in verse 19, Jesus says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. And what he's telling them, then, you wouldn't be receiving this letter if I didn't love you. But he says, those who, whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. I mean, Jesus wants us hot. He wants us hot. He wants us cold. He wants us, you know, I want you either hot. You know, on fire, have some additional, additional effect there. Or I want you cold to be a refreshment to people. But I don't want you lukewarm. I want you to have faith. And I want, I want your life to be an overflow of your relationship with God. And so his love for the lukewarm is to give them this message, to reprove them, to discipline them, and call them to repentance. Turn from this lukewarmness. Turn to Christ by faith and be zealous. This is a continual pursuit of God Himself. Be zealous toward God. And so we see His love for the lukewarm continues in this third description we see in verse 20. And the description here is of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. So we have seen Jesus, the Amen, the Faithful and True Witness, the Beginning, the Ruler of Creation. We saw Jesus preparing to spit them out of His mouth. And now we see this third description of Jesus standing at the door, outside the door, knocking. This is what's interesting about Christianity. There is no other religion where God seeks out the sinner. There isn't one. Only in Christianity do we see the God, the one true God, pursuing those who rebelled against Him. I mean, hear what Jesus is saying. You all are lukewarm. You're going through the motions. You, you don't even have true faith. And what does Jesus do? I'm right here. I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking. If you would just answer the door, I will come in. And I will dine with you. And you'll dine with me. Christianity is the only religion that has a God that seeks us out. And through the gospel, you know, we hear this invitation. We hear the knocking of Christ. Through the gospel, which is you know, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He was raised from the dead so that we can experience eternal life with God. And so through Christ, we can receive the forgiveness of our sins. We can receive grace. We can receive mercy. We can receive this new relationship with God. And that all comes through the invitation that Christ gives us through the gospel message. He says he stands at the door and he knocks. And I love this. He says, if anyone... In other words, is there anyone in Laodicea? Anyone? Just one? If you answer the door, I'll come in. I will come in. And I will dine with you. And you will dine with me. You know, in Laodicea, just like today, there are mainly three meals in the day. Okay? We have breakfast. Right? Which I love breakfast. But usually their breakfast was a smaller breakfast. Just something small to grab before they go out to to tackle their day. Then there was lunch, which they would eat kind of on the go in in the marketplace at their job site, in in the field, whatever. They wouldn't come back home to eat lunch. And then there was the evening meal, dinner. And this was more of a prolonged meal. And they would sit back and relax at the table. And they would have a gathering of friends and family. This was a prolonged meal. And one of the things about their time is when you invited someone to share this type of meal with you, it was a symbol of acceptance. I accept you. And I value you. And I want to spend time with you. And it's that third meal that Jesus is talking about in this passage. He says, I want to invite you in. I want to bring you in. I want to accept you. But all you need to do is accept the invitation. He stands at the door and he knocks. He's trying to invite us into a relationship to himself. And maybe you've seen the paintings kind of representing this, but... You, know, Jesus stands outside the door of your heart, of your life. He's knocking, but there's no doorknob on that side of the door, right? There's a, the doorknob's only on the inside, and so Jesus will knock. He will invite, but he will never force himself in. He stands at the door, knocks, and knocks, but it's up to you to let him in. You have to want to let him in to your life. And the question is, well, well, how do I let him in? How do I let Christ into my life? Well, we let Christ into our lives through faith. We acknowledge to Christ, I've been living my life apart from you. I've been doing my own thing. I've been going to these other sources for life. I've been living my life apart from you. And now I want to live my life with you. you know, we turn from our sin. We turn to Christ by faith. We tell Jesus we want Him to come into our lives. We want this relationship that He's talking about in this passage. And Jesus says if you invite Him in, then He will come in and He will dine with you. And not only will He come into your life, but we read in verse 21 that He gives an additional promise to those who persevere in this faith. And this is the fourth description we see in the passage. We see Jesus sitting on the throne... And inviting us to share in His authority. Look at verse 21. He says, The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. So I also conquered and sat down with my Father on His throne. So the picture is this. Jesus is with the Father in heaven. And the invitation to those who continue in the faith is that you will be where He is. Forever. So not only would Jesus come into our lives now but we will be with Him forever. And that's a great promise. He says those who continue in the faith, those who invite Christ into their lives, not only will He come in now, but He will be with you forever. So let's consider these four descriptions again. And Jesus is the Amen. He's the true and faithful witness in the beginning of creation. And so look at your own life and ask yourself, am I, am I a faithful witness for Christ? I mean, am I representing The Christ that I serve and love? Is my faith overflowing in my actions? Am I seeking to know Christ and make him known in this city? If not, you may be lukewarm. You may be like the apple, you know, just looks good on the outside, but you're missing faith. You're missing the relationship that comes on the inside. And that's the second description that. We see is Jesus preparing to spit the lukewarm out of his mouth. You know, Jesus spits out religion apart from faith in him. And so maybe that describes you. You're like the apple. You know, you look great, appetizing. But when you pick it up and you eat it, it's styrofoam. It's fake. There's nothing there. There's no relationship with God. And if that's you, then you need to come to Christ and you need to get the gold, the garments And the spiritual sight that He gives. And not that the world gives. The third description is Jesus standing at the door of our hearts. And He's knocking. And He's inviting us in this relationship with Himself. And with His Father. And the question here is simple. Have you opened the door of your heart to Christ? I mean, Have you invited Him in? Yes, I want that. Lord, I want You in my life. And I want You not only now, but forever. Have you placed your faith in Christ? If so, Jesus... Promises to come into your life and be with you and never leave you. And in the fourth description of Jesus is him sitting on the throne in heaven with God the Father. And Jesus tells us that what he offers is not just for today, but for eternity. It's not just for this world, but also for the next. It begins, yes, in this life, but it continues into eternity. What an amazing invitation to this lukewarm church. Jesus calls them what they are, but then invites them in to an authentic relationship with God. And he invites us into that relationship as well. And so let us close by reading verse 22. As this applies to all of us. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your message through Jesus. Thank you that you rebuke and discipline those you love. And perhaps this morning, some of us have received that rebuke. We have caught a glimpse of our true selves. And we've recognized that we are lukewarm. That We're like this apple going through the motions. Maybe we look good on the outside, but there's no relationship on the inside. There's no faith. We have not come to Christ. Lord, if that describes anyone here, Lord, would they hear your knocking and invite you in? And Lord, we thank you for your promises to those of us who have faith, who realize that it's only through Jesus that we are made right with God. Lord, help us to persevere. Give us the ability to accomplish all the things you would have us to accomplish. And may our lives be an overflow of our relationship with you. May we be hot and offer uh, help, medicinal purposes, just to this city. Just spiritual help. And may we be cold. May we be a refreshment to this city as we represent Christ, who is the true and faithful witness.